0: Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 42 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I have a little bit of a different episode for you guys. If you listened a couple weeks ago, you listened to the compilation episode that I did at the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show, where I took my recorder on the road and... Conducted a bunch of impromptu interviews with people I'd never met before, never talked to before, and it was super fun. I shared seven of those in episode 40. If you want to check that out and haven't yet, that's at sfdnetwork.com slash 40. And in today's episode 42, I have two more interviews from the show that I wanted to pair together and I really felt deserved their own episode. The two guys I talked to in this episode are Ryan Oribone with Till I Die and Nick Eliason with the Outdoor Innovation Show. Now, first about Ryan. Ryan's story is so inspiring and so amazing. He has gone through a lot of ups and downs. He got his start with no fashion experience and failed at his first attempt to launch a company. He's very open and transparent about this, and he talks about what he learned, some of the hardships he went through, and how he figured out the second time how to do it better and turn it into a success. Ryan is super transparent about the financial side of things, how much money you need to to get something off the ground, and the passion and the work ethic it takes to really get started in the industry. He also talks about the real numbers of making money in this industry and how to really make money with a fashion brand. Um, He shares exact numbers on how much he's spent, the orders he's written, and he also talks a lot about his support network and where he's gotten really good support and and where he's also had trouble getting support from, from certain people in his life. Um, his story is really inspiring, really humbling, and just a fantastic interview. The other thing he chats about is how he's trying to compete with the big brands and the huge booths. And and how he shows up at these trade shows and 95% of the buyers aren't there to see him. They're there just to have FaceTime with the other vendors. So that leads us right into the second guest on this show, which is Nick Eliason with the Outdoor Innovation Show. And the Outdoor Innovation Show is a new concept that Nick and a big team of people are putting together. And it is so cool. It is really amazing what these guys are doing. Um, To put it quickly to you and, and in simple terms, they're modernizing the trade show. The trade show model is very outdated. The industry has shifted in many, many ways, but the trade show model has not changed in the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And he also talks about how buyers don't come to write orders and discover new brands. They just come to FaceTime with the big brands they already know. And so they're working really hard to build a platform for young and upcoming brands to connect and build the right partnerships and get their product out there. So it's really, really cool. I think these two episodes tie in perfectly to each other. First up is Ryan. And to give you a little heads up about his story, I want to share this really quick clip. Ryan talks a lot about how you go through a lot of rejection when doing this. And he says that he gets 30 no's for every yes. So, as he says, get used to rejection. But then I love how when he gets that yes, he gets these amazing moments where he gets to celebrate.
1: The biggest ski resort on the East Coast, I got into their retail shops. When I had that meeting... I got back in my car. I'm about to freaking cry right now just talking about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got in my car and I freaking bawled.
0: You got a yes. I got a yes. But you're like, holy oh, dude, shit. I bawled out. Yeah. I was crying in my car. All right. I hope you love Ryan's story. Again, it's really inspiring and humbling. And I, there's so many little nuggets of gold in here. I know you guys are going to love this. Take it away, Ryan. So, um... Let's start there. You failed the first time you did this. Yeah.
1: So I started till I die as Ski Till I Die seven years ago. Okay. Uh, back in two thousand or eight years, I guess now, 2010. Yeah. Um, I had been at Macy's for four years. As a... I was a planner. Okay. Um, and I held several different positions within Macy's, but planning. Okay. And I hated it. I hated the monotony of it. And anyone anyone that tells you that they love merchandising or planning or buying because every day is different, can I say fuck? Yeah, you can. Okay, is a fucking liar (laughs) because every day is the goddamn same shit. And it killed me about that. Sorry, am I... Yep. And it killed me with that because every day is the same thing. And Macy's, for example, listen, they taught me to be the best planner I could be. And I'm one... I'm a very good, I was very good at what I did. And I was the best because of Macy's. I'll never forget that. But why do I have to stay to work until 6.01 every day when I'm done with my shit at three? Why can't I leave and have that three-hour window to go do whatever I want? Because
0: I'm that good, I can get it done in these hours, yeah.
1: So that got me thinking, I'm like, all right, I need to do my own thing. So I hated where I was, wanted to do my own thing, came up with this concept ski till i die we're going to do a graphic ski t-shirt company with my friend paul that started the whole thing with me seven years ago and it was a good excuse to quit my job and go do my thing because i didn't look like the pathetic loser that couldn't hold the gig and at least i had something going on and uh for those of you listening i just did air quotes something going on um I didn't know anything about anything.
0: Did you go to school for fashion or did you have any training?
1: No, I went to Marist College and they have a great fashion program, but I went for international business and marketing, so so I doubled on the business side. Totally different. 100%. And it just so happened that I fell into fashion after I graduated. Macy's offered me a job within their um, business development program, which is like a postgraduate training program within fashion. They call it the Harvard of fashion. I think that's dumb. Uh, but it's the same. Like, TJ Maxx does it. Uh, Blue Me's is part of Macy's. They do, they do a different version. But every big corporation, every big box does the same kind of thing. BDP, business development, Prograd whatever. And that's how I fell into fashion. Um, but I did love the industry. I did. You did. Um, and I was always a big numbers guy. And so... I had the option of going down the planning route or the buying route. I decided planning, um, which was, you know, in hindsight, a really good move because planning roles, and when you're good at planning, uh, it's much harder to find people to fill those positions than in buying. So for every one of me, there was like four or five buyers. So I was able to move up much more quickly than I I was if if I went into the buying side. but it still gave me an opportunity to, like, you know, to, to get in the business. So I failed the first time. Um, what happened? Like,
0: why do you think you failed? Because this happens to <sighs> a lot of people.
1: You know what? It was the difference between ideas versus execution. Okay. Um, I didn't have the knowledge of the industry. Like, I was good at planning. I knew nothing about operations, I knew nothing about logistics. Um, I didn't know how to source my products out of Taiwan or India or wherever it was. Um, I didn't know distribution. And just working at Macy's, I knew nothing about wholesale. I didn't know about the outlet business. Uh, There were so many different parts of fashion that I had yet to experience, but I was naive. I was 25. so I failed Oh and, and by the way I also went in Severely underfunded Like my big thing too Like that I tell people That ask me about this a lot um, What are your What's your advice Sure One is If you don't have a passion For what you're doing Don't even bother Okay uh, If you don't have the work ethic Don't even try Because you know Everyone has ideas But if you can't execute Then there's no point point. And then three You know If you think you need Ten thousand dollars To make it happen You really need thirty if you think you need 30, you need a hundred. Triple it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, so fast forward to uh, when I got laid off last summer. So summer of 2015.
0: So wait, you were at Macy's for four years. You started Ski Till I Die. Yep. When yep. was that? Like That was
1: 2010. Okay, so and then you went back to work for someone else. In 2000, summer, August of 2011 okay. is when I went back to work. At Macy's um, again? No, okay. absolutely. I love Macy's. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll, I'll never, ever work for you again. Um, you know, credit to people. You know why? One of the other reasons why I left Macy's, um, they were one of the companies that a lot of people in the industry would call a cradle to grave spot. So you start your career there, yeah, you continue your career, and you end your career there. I was there it's like for. Yeah, I was there for the merger when uh, Macy's, who used to have a lot of regional buying offices, it was uh, there was Macy's Florida, Macy's East, Macy's West, Macy's Midwest, Macy's Central. There are five different regional buying offices, and um, Macy's came up with this whole "My Macy's" strategy, which in theory is brilliant because they wanted to tailor their assortment for every specific demographic and geographic region that they were in great and they had five regional buying offices to do that but they called it the my macy strategy and then they centralized their buying and planning out of new york so they closed down all operations around the country out of the five regional buying offices they consolidated into one so how are you going to tailor your assortment for your entire god what was it a thousand stores i think they had at that point Somewhere around a thousand. How are you going to tailor a store to a thousand stores when you just close down all your regional buying offices and then just everything's out of based out of New York? Yeah. It was for the um, it was for the shareholders and Terry Lundgren, who I I I didn't know personally, but uh, I knew him on yeah. a first name basis. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. He was CEO at the time, and he was also president of the National Retail Federation. He was the one that got on the pedestal. Oh, we're going to do this and this and this. Yeah, but behind the scenes, they were firing people that had been there for 15 to 20 years, treating them like absolute garbage. And I saw this, and I'm like, I don't want to work for a company like that. Yeah, it's shit. Yeah, it's awful. Fucking awful. And that wasn't the first time that, like, I had left a company that, uh, if I didn't leave, I would have gotten fired. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, I, I would have. Yeah. Because I was just so, like, done with it. Um, but, whatever. So left Macy's ski I die didn't work didn't know enough didn't have enough money and I didn't have the drive okay then I went back into the industry but I worked on the on the vendor side so I worked for a company called Greg Norman that's oh where
0: you and I probably know some of the same people I hope we do Whole fucking world <laughs> right and, oh my
1: god yeah that's why I never talk absolute shit about I never say bad things I know, about anybody right? but I'll talk I've shit about Macy's all I've done a lot of golf
0: day. in my day let me just tell you that
1: ninth green at nine want to meet Oh, you don't know that one? No. All right, I'll meet you at the ninth pin at nine. You'll see why. Okay. <laughs>
0: wow. All right. Anyways, but Greg Norman, so and so Norman, you learned the.
1: That was when I launched their re- uh, their their outlet business. Okay. So I reported directly into the CEO, but he yeah. gave me uh, he gave me control over operations, <laughs> logistics, production. So I got to see what it takes, and I was in charge of the P and L. Uh, the open to buy. So I saw and had a handle on what the behind the scenes business was, um, that I was missing the first time around. Okay. I did that for three years. Okay. I left Great Norman. Yeah. Well, dude, I was a sponge the entire time. And, um, you know, Stu Glasser was the name of the guy who, who, uh, I reported into and he was an industry icon. And he's the only person that I'll ever really say was kind of one of those, um, you know, who do you look up to in the business, who was somebody that kind of showed you what's going on. You know, A mentor, you
0: yeah. Absolutely.
1: And, 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 and I don't use the mentor thing, you know, lightly. He was one. Um, he gave me everything. He gave me the opportunity. He gave me the tools. And he gave me the direction. So when I left, it was it was an amicable departure, and then I went to go take over retail operations for Ben Sherman, which is a high-end men's fashion company yeah. that was based out of London. Yeah,
0: I'm very familiar with them.
1: They had a New York uh, showroom, and so that's where I was based, and I turn that retail business around in 15 months, and, you know, that gave me an opportunity for a retail business on the vendor side on a very small scale where I was in direct uh, connection with the stores. Like, you know, I went out west, I was out east, there was only five shops. Um, I had a really good relationship with my buyer who um, I'm still very close with today, and, you um, That gave me a glimpse of what market is really like. It's been good. Did that for a year and a half. Then Ben decided that they were going to move, uh, pull out of New York, move ops out of retail uh, into London. Didn't want to go to London, so then I took a position with True Religion. True Religion was on the wholesale side, failing business. I should have seen the writing on the wall when they told me that (laughs) Oh last year our uh, you know, uh, gross, gross, gross sales were 130 million dollars, and this year they're 95. If you're a business I don't care if you make 10,000 dollars a year or a 100 million dollars a year. When, you de- you know, when your business declines 30 plus percent year over year, there's a problem. But I was so naive and they were paying me a buttload of money, I didn't care, and I wanted the wholesale experience. So then I went over there and I did that for a year and a half) until I got laid off. I'd been saving money for a house, um, and I had already started thinking about exit strategy out of true, but I was so probably eight to 12 months away from actually doing it. But leading up to this, my friends had a sit down with me the year prior about, skeetle I die, because I thought about it every single day of my life. If this is getting boring, by the way, just hit me in the head and tell me to shut up. No, keep going every day of my life yeah so two years prior to this my friends kind of sat me down and they said listen we love your designs you know in regard to ski light I die we love what you're doing if we thought this would fail we would be the first ones to tell, tell you. you but you either need to get serious about it or stop fucking telling people it's what you do Because that's what I would do. Like, I'd walk around like, oh, yeah. Because it was something I had just done on the side for my friends, and I never took it seriously. But I would tell people that I own my own business. But I, like, flirted around. Like, I was like a butterfly. Like, you know, from flower to flower, like, oh, yeah, la-di-da. But I never took it seriously. They whipped me into shape. And I needed that confidence from them to actually realize, okay, this is something that could be real. And at that point... Is when I stopped going out for happy hour on Wednesdays getting slammed to going to work drunk on, or you know, uh, hung over Thursday. That's when I stopped going to brunch on Sunday with my friends, spending an unnecessary $150 to day drink on a Sunday afternoon. I was at home working on my business plan. I was building on my website. I was creating new designs. You became I thinking, super obsessed. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so I became so hyper focused on the company after they gave me that little pep talk that. When I got laid off a year and a half later, I was ready to, to just get the ground running. Yeah. And I had this surplus of capital that I'd saved up to buy this house, which I couldn't buy without a job because who's going to finance a mortgage without a real position that everything just kind of fell into place. So ultimately getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Yeah. So how long ago was that that you then like said, okay, I'm doing this again?
1: Yep. So that was 18 months ago.
0: Wow. So here we are at Outdoor Retailer. You have your booth. 2018. And you were talking a few minutes ago before we started recording about like, I really want to talk about some of the stuff you mentioned in terms of, like, you're here competing with Heli Hansen and Nordica and Patagonia, and, like, you're in a, about a 10 by 20 booth. You're a small startup brand. And you had some really interesting commentary on that. And then you also had some interesting commentary on the last time you did the show and the orders you wrote. And I'd love for you to, like, talk a little bit about that and, and share some of your thoughts and experiences and, and it, just feedback on what that's been like.
1: The hardest part about this whole thing, and... You know, it, it all starts with you know like the support that i have locally from my friends and my network and we're a killington based company in the killington community rallying behind till i die being local that's vermont that's vermont yep yeah. but then we come here and denver
0: colorado denver
1: colorado <laughs> like i'm what a 2000 miles away 2000 miles away yeah, about i that. mean it's a, it's a day and a half drive uh, if you go straight through with breaks two to three and I come here and I have 200 square feet of space to show off my products and sell shops that I wouldn't have access to if I wasn't here. I'm based out east. I don't have the capital and the money to fly out west and go on these buying shows uh, or go on these buying trips. And then I compete with Nordica who's got a 1,000 square feet of space. Heli Hansen has a double-decker 2,000 square feet of retail space where buyers are buying from the big brands first. And they are occupying 95% of their time. Sorry, they're occupying 95% of their time. And they're too showy, and they've got special private rooms, and they've got 30 people that are part of their team. They're
0: handled with white gloves. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then it's me flying my friends out to help me like run this booth. Like, what can I do? So we just try to create, like, a fun, super awesome atmosphere that's different. I'm not trying to be the cookie-cutter Nordica. I'm right. not trying to be atomic and build a treehouse within my booth. Like, I want to be unique and different stand out. And I want to drink PBRs all day. And I want to, whoever walks by to do a shot ski with us just because it's <laughs> fun and cool. And so, you know, what kind of separates us from them is, you know, that very fact. Like, we're different. Like, we We are not Nordica. We don't have our logo plastered all over everything. Like I'm wearing a logo hoodie right now. It's the only only logo thing that we really do. But our designs are design focused. Like we're not logo centric. Like when you rock the brand, I want you to rock the brand because you live this life and you want to express that through the apparel that you wear.
0: So like, there are buyers that want to buy this stuff over the Heli Hansen. Like, there are markets and niches for this. And so, if those buyers, like, aren't here, where are they? And, like, how do you get in touch with them? Or is that something you're still trying to figure out?
1: I get 30 no's for every yes I get.
0: Okay, so it's just a lot of rejection and you have to deal with yeah, that.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's hard. Like, your first no, you want to cry. You literally, and your second no, you want to cry. And I'm your third so glad no, you you're talking cry. about oh, this. Oh, you absolutely do like I'm an emotional person okay I I cry when I'm sad and I cry when I'm happy Um, it takes a lot of rejection but you have to just stick with it and I'm someone that keeps the mentality of I'm gonna make this happen come hell or high water I'm gonna make it happen and we have it got to the point where uh, we started one shop all it took was the one shop to give me a chance and then I turned that into eight, and then I parlayed that into 30 this season. And Killington, Vermont, the biggest ski resort on the East Coast, I got into their retail shops. When I had that meeting, I got back in my car, I'm about to freaking cry right now just talking about it. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I got in my car and I freaking bawled.
0: You got a yes. I got a yes. But you're like, holy shit. I bawled out. I was
1: crying in my car. Thank God no one was there. (laughs) Like crying tears. And to this day, I'll never forget that. And um, it just takes perseverance and believing in your brand and yourself. And it all started with the support from my friends. Because if it wasn't them that kicked me in the ass two years ago and told me that this had a chance, and the other thing, you know what? Your true friends when you start something like this are gonna pay full price for your product. Mm. They all pay for their gear. I love that. Everyone who wears it, like yeah. they all pay for it. Yeah. And you know, a smart business person like doesn't give stuff away for free, and your friends understand that. And if they really want you to succeed, they'll pay 20 bucks for a t-shirt. They'll pay $30 for a long sleeve or a hoodie, whatever it is, They're they're gonna pay for it. And if they don't, they're not really your friends. Cut dead weight and realize who wants you to succeed and who doesn't.
0: Yeah, I talk a lot about like, having a really good support network because so it's impossible to do anything alone especially in the fashion industry like you need those people to kick you in the ass you need those people to tell you um, you can do this to give you the confidence to help pick you up when you fall down and to, yeah. to support you on all levels and like I, I think a lot of I hear from a lot of people they don't get that from their drug family and so then I'm like you have to go out there and find that through other people you have to
1: you're 100% right because it didn't come from my parents and my brothers and my and my immediate family at first yeah
0: a lot of people don't have well, it
1: My parents were appalled. They're like, when I did it the first time, they're like, okay, it's a growing stage. They didn't support it. And they were still basically supporting my lifestyle anyway. When I did it the second time, I I thought my dad was gonna have a heart attack. thought my mom was gonna go drown herself in the pool. Like, like they were not happy about it. But I said, listen, I have to do this. I, I have to try again. I didn't get it I didn't go full throttle the first time. I have to try it again. And then this past Christmas, I went home.
0: You can oh you're (laughs) getting teary. I love this. This is such a good story though. And it's like shows the passion behind it. It's really amazing.
1: Went home for Christmas. And uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm in the middle of, I'm in public right now. We're not in a cl- by the way, we're not in a closed room. No, we're but in you're the middle a real of a person. hallway. And we're in the middle of a hallway.
0: Yeah, that's okay. Um, we're like in the aisle at the trade show, like a million people no, are walking they didn't, by. <laughs> they didn't
1: want me to do it. And it was my friends that brought me into this whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, mom and dad said, like, we knew you could do it. Because it's real now.
0: Oh, I love that. That's just like a month ago.
1: Yeah, this, this Christmas. Is, yeah recent. This is recent. Um, I mean, because I live full time on on whatever salary. You know, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like whenever I go to shows, whatever, and someone buys a shirt, like the support, no matter how big or small, doesn't go. It doesn't go overlooked. Um, my running joke is. Uh, uh, I think you're helping me eat this week <laughs> everyone thinks that's hysterical and I laugh too but on the inside I'm like oh but I'm not kidding like maybe I can eat real chicken this week instead of chicken flavored ramen noodles um but it just uh you can't get down on yourself you just gotta keep doing it you know you gotta wake up at 7 you gotta work till 3 you know it's 7 days a week when I don't work on a Saturday or a Sunday I feel bad about it um because every day I'm not working, I feel like I'm taking away from myself. Um, but on the flip side, like, you can't go 24-7, 365. Like, it kills yeah. you. So it's like, you gotta take days. And that's the hard part. Yeah. It's just kind of giving yourself a, a break, you know?
0: Yeah. So um would you and you don't have to talk like exact numbers or anything but like you mentioned a little bit there of like you know thanks for helping me eat and like yeah. if <laughs> i get to eat ch- real chicken not ramen this week like it's uh, um you know a, a couple guests on the show have talked about like the realities of funding this and some guests like to gloss over that um as far as people who have startup brands or small indie brands yep. and and you seem to be a little bit more like open about the realities of just, just for people listening like to understand you know know what this really means financially and like how much it takes to get it off the ground um, I think you said earlier and I can't remember if we were recording or not but like if you think you need 10,000 budget 30 yeah hundred yeah. and then like how how much you know like you you made a comment about how many orders you wrote and like you're building but like it a lot of that money just keeps going back into the business
1: so I have I have a few partners that um, you know obviously you know they they don't necessarily help with the day-to-day but they help with the big picture stuff yeah um, you know, personally, I probably started with about 70K worth of my own money. Okay. Um, and then I probably had about 30,000 of um, partner okay. investment. So about 100. So about, I started with about 100. Um, carrying inventory is expensive. Um, I'm probably sitting right now at cost. At least 20, fifteen to twenty thousand worth of just inventory. Sure. That doesn't include the fifteen thousand it costs us to be out here. That doesn't include the ten thousand in marketing that I spent this year. Um, you know everything costs money. Stickers. Every sticker I give away costs eighty-eight cents. When you buy a thousand of them, that's basically a thousand dollars you just spend on freaking stickers. Um, I'm wearing a lanyard right now. I spent two hundred and fifty dollars on lanyards and another uh, five hundred on business cards. Like everything, it, adds up. Every, it, it all adds up. Um, so I started with a lot of. Capital that made me comfortable doing this, knowing that, like, all right, if I made a thousand dollar mistake, that's a, that's not going to drown me. Um, this show will, I mean, last year we did the show, we broke even from the, the, the accounts that we got.
0: Congratulations, Thank because you. I've heard worse stories than that. Uh, we, I mean, I've heard stories, like, we were a success That's a success story. Yeah,
1: that's a total success. Um, this year costs a little bit more because we, you know, we built it out a little bit bigger. Um, it's going to end up being, you know, uh, we'll probably double our double our investment this year. Good um, for you.
0: Congratulations. That's huge.
1: Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing is, like, you know, we're profitable at this point. And, and in 18 months to be a profitable company it's is huge. a big deal. Yep. But every dollar that comes back into the company that's in the green, we sink right back into either new production or... New designs, or marketing, or I mean, you know, I still need to eat. Yeah. So, real uh, chicken is good. It, it just, it just, it just goes right back in. I yeah. mean, if I if I think about what salary I'm paying myself right now, you need to be able to survive on twenty thousand dollars a year. And if you can't, if you can't do that for yourself, don't start your own business. Unless you're a trust fund kid or you've got some significant outside investment. Um, if you can't survive with $20,000 a year and make that work, um, which is like 20000 It's about 2000 a month, a little bit less, 1800 a month. Yeah. If you don't think you can make that mm-hmm. happen, it's not for you. And it's not for everybody.
0: It's not for everybody. No. Um, really quick, and then we'll wrap up, and you and can we'll do go some more shots. Shot we'll I yeah. might do a picture with a shot ski just because like you told the story and I was like wait this is so cool maybe I have to do it Um, like what are you know it's really interesting because a lot of startup and indie brands these days are doing the direct to consumer thing and I haven't heard you mention that at all like you're here at like a really expensive trade show and it seems like you've made the choice to go wholesale and Or are you doing DTC as well? Or like, where are you balancing and where do you see that really going for your brand?
1: So my three to five year plan is DTC to be 50% of my business. Okay. Because that's where the margins are. Yep. Um, Right now it's probably about 30. Oh, not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not great though. Um, You know, I've seen my website traffic in the last year triple, but triple from what? I mean, go from from 5 to 15, you know, 25 to 75 like, you know, I'm not going to tell you the number sure, but sure. uh it's above industry average. Um but, you know, the website traffic has tripled, but the distribution from shops is critical. Um wholesale is 60% of my business right now. Retail is 30, and then the other 10% comes from on-site events. Um You can't have one without the other, and I need the distribution. How are West Coast people gonna know who the hell I am? It legitimizes my brand. Mm. Um, To see my stuff merchandised in store is amazing. And I can say my product is represented in New Mexico, in Idaho, in San Diego, California, Columbus, Ohio, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like I'm all over the place. Major
0: validation. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred
1: percent. And I want that. And you know what else? Like First of all, they say, like, small businesses are the backbone of America. That's absolute horseshit. But it's like, (laughs) as a small business owner, I want to support other small businesses. And mom and pop ski shops are, like, where it's at. Outside of Killington, which is obviously the biggest group or brand or company that carries my stuff, it's mom and pop. Um, But I like that. And... You know, the the thing I do for the wholesale accounts that we're in is I offer exclusivity. So you're the exclusive distributor of Till I Die in Columbus, Ohio, for example. Sure. Uh, We're uh, uh, in a shop called Colorado um, Colorado Mountain Ski. They're the only shop in Ohio that carries Till I Die. And unless he gives me the green light to sell in Cleveland, I'm not going to. Keep, you know, if These are partnerships
0: you're building. It's exactly. a win-win, 100%. two-way street. So the more you support yeah. them, the more support you get back. Yeah.
1: There's another uh, brand who is a direct competitor of ours, and I won't say who they are. Um, direct competitor of ours that have saturated the market, and it's just so upsetting because like they're not working with their retail distributors, and they're not they're 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 more focused on their own business. Than helping who they sell to that it just doesn't work for anyone and it's like you can go up and down a mountain every single shop will carry their stuff that doesn't help
0: do you think that there's also something to be said for like the scarcity strategy
1: yeah absolutely um you know a lot of the shops will carry one or two exclusive designs that we only sell to them and you know that's cool and they like it works for us um customization is one of our big things and um that also works in both directions you yeah. know um. Yeah, it makes it, it it makes it worthwhile for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, this has been so fun to chat. Um, you didn't introduce yourself.
1: Um, <laughs> my name's Ryan. I'm a Capricorn. Uh, <laughs> um, no, hi. It's 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 been a pleasure. Thank you very much for, yeah. for sitting down or standing up with me.
0: <laughs> Where can everybody find you?
1: So we're at tillidie.com. Two L's Till. Ellis and till. Uh, just bought the .com. You know, we we're talking about how much that that cost. That was another twenty five hundred bucks. But. Uh, we're based out of Killington Vermont we're as local as it gets and uh you know we're uh very inclusive so you ever see us on the mountain come say hi I
0: love it thank you so much no cheers thank you so much for sharing your journey and being so transparent and humble with everything that you've been through Ryan really really appreciate it um so great to meet you at OR and can't wait to see you at the Outdoor Innovation Show coming up this summer, which is exactly what we're gonna talk about next. So next up I chatted with Nick from the Outdoor Innovation Show, and I kind of already introduced that earlier. Again, this just it's it's a really really cool concept. They're taking the trade show and they're modernizing it because it's a super outdated model and it's not the way, it's not the best way to support some of these young startup emerging brands that are out there. There's so many of them out there and the traditional trade show model does not work. So I'm going to introduce you to Nick, and I'm going to let you let him explain exactly how everything works and all the cool stuff they are doing to create a better platform for young, awesome, cool brands to have their break in the market. So, um, all right, so you're with Outdoor... How?
2: outdoor innovation show
0: okay so like how like are, is this totally transparent you can talk about all this 100 okay
2: i got the president of the company i called him last night i said hey i'm not ready to do let's oh, go oh shit you did let's, let's run oh my god i love I'm like, this yeah i'm i'm like his right-hand man he's not like the networker yeah you know he he's,
0: he's behind the scenes
2: yeah he's 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 the brains and he's awesome and he's got the big vision and I've kind of helped him develop it all into one thing. I'm like, there are people that want to talk about this. Yeah. we need to start talking about it. Yeah, and there's especially people that need this, you to do this. Yeah, especially in this space. Yeah. Like, people want it. Like, I you mean know, you heard Ryan. Yeah. And he's like. I know. He's got 10 brands already, like, recruited. Like, let's go.
0: Okay. So who are you, what are you with, and what are you guys doing? Because okay. I love this.
2: My name's Nikki, Listen, I'm with the Outdoor Innovation Show. We're basically a new twist on trade shows that is going to... We call it the Outdoor Innovation Show because we're looking for young, innovative, cool product, but we're also innovating the way trade shows are done. Um, the 1980s model for trade shows hasn't changed much, um, but the path to the end consumer, which is why we do trade shows. I mean, you had a cool product back in the day, um, you wanted to get it to the masses, you went to a trade show or you went to a catalog. That was the two best ways to get to the masses. There's this thing we call the internet. It's pretty popular, and now you can get your product the any consumer in different ways. You don't have to get the big box retailers. So I've, funny enough, I watched the you know, NBC Shark Game for 10 years. And now it makes more and more sense that the sharks are like, stay out of retail, stay out of retail. Don't do it because you get beat up on price, beat up on price, beat up on price. And you, don't, you lose a lot of control, right? And there's brand after brand yeah, after brand that you find that is just killing it. And they didn't go that path. But it takes the right networking connections to do it. And that's what our trade show or our show, let's call it, is creating a platform that maybe the network that sits behind maybe a shark on Shark Tank, you're giving up 30% of your company to get to that network. It's not because the shark has money because you can get money anywhere. And it's not that the shark has knowledge in that space because they a lot of times invest in the spaces they don't understand. It's to get to the network behind them. And our goal is to create a climate an atmosphere in which that network exists bring all these brands together and not have these big guys that they get lost in the mess and where outdoor business gets down to business yeah is able to network market so that's i think our three biggest value adds are going to be the partnership the strategic partners from i mean sourcing manufacturing uh experticity is a big partner of ours that you know they expect you get expert it's like a social um type of platform where you can actually get experts using your product that can give you real-life feedback, reviews, but then you can get online and things like that. But they're, I mean, they have this brand following that they can, you know, and these these experts in the fields that, you know, really get going. Dropship, carrier services, fulfillment centers, that's who we wanna bring together so these people can actually have a chance to see it marketing, web design, even, you know? Because what I found in the outdoor world and why I'm so passionate about it is there's so many awesome products out there that get created every day because outdoorsmen use they live it right. So they come up with real awesome, practical solutions that solve problems for cool brands or whatever that is like really lifestyle. But there's really no business sense and no connections. And hopefully, we can bring that together and you know create the show for a platform where these young cool companies can really get an exposure.
0: Yeah. So I want to like not gloss over the the. And I'll just use the word you said, but like these young companies, because I think that's something that we've not really emphasized enough. So this conversation kind of came about when I was chatting with Brian yesterday, who's a small vendor. He's got a 10 by 20 booth here. We're at Outdoor Retailer. It's an insanely big show. There are brands that like spend, I don't know, upwards of $500,000, a million dollars on this show. I just talked to a
2: brand that it's... 17 semi-trucks and a $4 million build out for their booth.
0: Okay, $4 million. So then we have all these amazing, little, cool, I shouldn't say little, but like young, cool young, brands, yeah, and yeah. they get lost in the corners. And you made a comment um, earlier, I think before I hit record, of like, the buyers don't come here to discover new brands. So talk no, a little no, bit no, about no. that, and then so, how these young, cool brands get kind of left out in the weeds, and this is the, plot you're creating the platform for them to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. thrive.
2: So basically these young brands, they come to OR. Because it's you have to. If you're anything in the outdoor world, you gotta be in OR. You know, you get on the waiting list, and you, you get in there, and it's like I made it. <laughs> but the reality is, OR is this space where it's become kind of like this. I don't even know. It, it, it's a great show. It's fun to be at. It's you know, really cool vibe, everything about it. But I mean, I talk to buyer after buyer after buyer. They're not coming to look and find these new brands. That's not what they're coming for. They're coming to meet up with people that they this is their one time a year to meet up with them and it's almost like a good gesture to sit down and write the order because half of the buyers they tell me i could have done all this stuff in my house in my office back home i just come because it's kind of like what you're supposed to do it's
0: Facetime, yeah, it's, it's schmoozing you it's talk just, yeah and let's you go it. out at
2: night let's you know good and so these young brands they come and then like ryan said if i didn't come this year everyone would be like well did he go out of business yeah you know and it's like i'm kind of stuck half and. half you know, I don't know if you've walked too much, but, I mean, you got people out in, like, Timbuktu that's, like... In
0: the corner in of the corner convention center, it's, like, the collecting hallway dust. Down yeah. there,
2: it's, like, people are walking down, like, where's the bathroom? And, like, yeah. they're, they're they're directing people where the bathroom's it's, at. yeah. And it's just, it's Throughout tough, you know? And then you got Ryan, like you said, who's, you know, sitting here in a 10 by 20 and he's staring at a, you know, thousand-square-foot cabin that got Two-story, built Two-story, yeah. And it's just tough. It's tough. Um, so... We really, really want to expose those young up-and-coming brands from, honestly, like ideas that maybe are just in prototype, because they still need help in the business world. Because, like I said, our show isn't just about writing an order; it's getting exposure, getting the content, getting people to come. We got a we got a company um, coming, good friend of mine, Infuse Hydration, amazing product. You know, he's finally getting the point. It's taken three years to kind of start shipping. He's like Nick. I got thirty-five thousand dollars of broken prototypes in my house. He's like, I finally found the right guys to get my prototyping done. He's like, these mistakes these guys are making. We're bringing this like IP, this intellectual property in, and we're bringing the partners that he currently uses merchant, to connect yes. with the right people so and it. get you know business done and take their business to the next level without having to go on Shark Tank and spend all the money that that requires and give you know, up
0: half your company. Exactly,
2: and. It's just tough to find those connections, you because it regardless it's a relationship business, no matter what business it is, relationship, relationship, relationship. Um, so yeah, we really want to focus on those young up and coming brands um, and even brands that are maybe like right there, you know, they're, they're, may, they're maybe pushing three quarter of a million a year and they just can't quite get to that next level. And we want them here and with the right connection, the right partner, the right media, like they can take it to the next level and get what they need. And that's what we're passionate about.
0: And there's nothing like this exists that I know of. Do you know of it?
2: I mean, you have regional shows that like, but they're more like retail shows that they're open to public. So our show is a little bit different. First two industry only, first two days. Last day for three hours, it's open to the public. It's gonna be a huge public. So you get real market analysis. You can sell goods, sell your stuff. Connect with your end consumer. Yeah, just see what it is. I think the partners, it's big for them to actually sit there and see like, wow, that booth right there, like like they just sold out in the first hour. (laughs) Like that, everyone wants that, right? Yeah. And that's real market analysis from your end consumer. Um, Friday night of the show, we actually do have what's called the pitch. There's gonna be close to, you know, I'll, I'll undershoot and say three quarters of a billion, you know. But we, we think that there's going to be a lot of VC money there, and we're going to select the, the best brands that we feel like and that are interested, and they can go pitch, and we're guaranteeing one of them a deal mm. to go, you know, raise money, yeah. raise capital, things like that. So, yeah. like I said, we want to create this platform where kind of just going skyrocket, and we, we can't wait for five years from now but we're still doing the show, and we'll have probably that nucleus of young brands, but the brands that came along all mm-hmm. from the get go we still want to expose them and we still want them to come back year over year and we'll have another section of like kind of our success story. Yeah. Like look, come to our show because look, right here, 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 yeah. look what it gets, you yeah. know? And kind of create that, you know, that new, maybe that new somewhat culture, that, that new cult-like following, kind of that new fraternity of these young brands. We want to keep it exclusive and fun and we feel like Salt Lake's a great place to do it because everyone loves Salt Lake and you know, we feel like there's a, a void to fill with OR leading.
0: Yeah, so like, when did this whole, I mean, it it sounds like you have the idea of super developed. Um, Like, when did this come about, and when are you planning on doing it? So
2: I think it's pretty open, and I'm I'm careful to say anything, but, you know, OR's talked about leaving and back and forth leaving, you know, Utah for years now. Um, Then with the former administration out of the new administration, I don't want to get too much into politics, but you know, public lands became a big deal, right? Um, and I think understanding the public lands, you know, one thing happened that was, you know, great for a certain people, but then another thing happened that was like, wait, that same thing that happened when they, you know, created these public lands, it's like, that happened so abruptly, wow, we weren't ready for that. And so there's kind of this back and forth. And so that was kind of used to say, hey, we're, 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 we're out, right? Um, and so they, they started making noise, like, you know, and then especially when the public lands thing started coming up, started really getting really loud. And so we kind of sit here and said, you know, we had a connection with the economic development um, for the governor of Utah. And, you know, they were looking for an answer. Like, if this leaves, I mean, it's a $45 million annual impact to the economy.
0: It's huge for their, yeah, it's huge, yeah, you huge. Know, huge. I mean, businesses be... are gonna suffer,
2: yep. you know? Um, and we don't know if it's, I mean, I mean and about the public lands, is this political thing that's like, well, Utah's still a great place for outdoor. I mean, what, what people don't realize is 65% of our, our state is still public lands. I mean, it's like one of the biggest, you know, like Colorado's like 30%, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah we, 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 we reeled back a lot of public lands, but we still are 65%, I mean, we, we, this is outdoor. Utah is outdoor as it gets. Um, and so we're big on that, but, so that started happening. And we're like, wow, we could be the answer. So it officially happened, we kinda of already had the idea, and it's evolved. You know, at first it was the outdoorsman show. It was, you know, we, we went through different things and finally came out, got it, and you know, we got the website, got going, got a sales team together and just started really attacking it. We're getting partners, sponsorships, you know, the works. And now it's you're starting to see the momentum gather. And just got back from SHOT Show, came straight from SHOT Show to OR and i mean nine i'd say nine, nine. out so of I ten say, it's so. great great yeah. responses yeah. you got the one or two they're like eh yeah. you know and that's fine that's not, You're not gonna get everybody that's, yeah, that, that's okay. we don't want okay. everyone that's okay yeah. you know um we don't expect the following of or to be at our show you know yeah. 10 years from now we'd love to have the mm-hmm. same big impact you know because um, like i said it's a fun place to be and so yeah that's kind of we we've been it's been in the mind i jumped on board late um it had already kind of been there and I got brought on um, to run buyers and strategic partners, help with the media, things like that. Um, I was in corporate America for the last 10 years. I still am. Um, love it, but you know, I grew up in the outdoors. Love the outdoors, hunting, camping, fishing, skiing, the lake, I just did it all. Um, got into high school sports, kind of backed off a little bit, but still I laugh because I go to all my games from like the camping, like the campground up in the canyon, we'd drive to my game from there. Like I'd sleep over a night in a tent and then go play my football game or yeah. whatever. Like, that's just I just lived in the outdoors and actually lived in Argentina. I lived in the Patagonia for two years, so outdoors as it gets. Um, and and I got back in and jumped into you know corporate America. And when this came in front of me, I just said you know we had some stuff happen um, over the last six months that kind of gave me different perspective on life. And I said kind of picked my head up off my pillow one day and I was like, I have an eight year old and a six year old daughter. They've never really experienced camping, skiing, you know, fishing, anything outdoor. They just haven't experienced any of it. So what am I doing, right? This is my opportunity to jump back in, take the business sense that I've made over the last 10 years and the education I've had and really get back in the outdoors as well as attack and target these small brands that and help them get to the next level. That's exciting, that's fun, you know, so yeah.
0: Um, And so is it just a group of like, a group of you guys that got together and like, let's just do this and you're kind of building it from scratch.
2: Yeah, grassroots as it gets and just saying, hey, let's go be the answer, let's kind of go be renegades. Yeah. And we're gonna ruffle some feathers, which is all right.
0: Hey, you know what, the best thing, when the best things happen, feathers are ruffled. Yeah,
2: it's like, you know, so there's a group of us, it started out really small. Um, uh, Jared, the president and his wife, and his kids. I mean, his kids are data mining for us every day, finding new leads for these new brands on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, looking for these new young brands. We're contacting them there because that's where they're at, right? Yeah. You know, they're we're hanging out, out online. They're, they're, and they're hanging media. out. That's where they're at. And yeah. that's we, Let's keep that. You know, yeah. they don't need to, you know, go change that up. Let's just go throw some gas on the fire and help them go. So, you know, the family did it. So it's really fun to be, you know, with Jared and his family. They're amazing. Uh, and then. We got a couple event coordinator we got our event coordinator, our business developer, and we got our sales group and you know, we got together and developed a twelve to fifteen man sales team that's just now we just go contact and we just just all out, you know, yeah. renegades just yeah. gonna make it happen. So yeah, it's a little group of us that you know, technically I guess when we were doing the research, OR only shows seventeen employees, but obviously it takes way more than that they're more seasonal sure but it's a you know a little group that you know
0: really does it really
2: does it and that's what we want to go do so
0: yeah and so when do you think this is going to happen
2: it's july 18th 19th and 20th oh it's this already year. set set july. at the salt palace so
0: that's in about six months yes yeah
2: a lot of work it. to do but we're excited
0: okay so if people out there listening like want to check this out want to be part of it want more information what should they do
2: outdoorinnovationshow.com
0: outdoorinnovationshow.com
2: outdoorinnovationshow.com is, tell you all the information the contact if you want to be a part as a buyer a partner if you want to exhibit um, media coverage however it is all the information is there all of our contacts the about me's of all the business all the department heads are all there um, yeah it's exciting
0: i'll be there doing interviews sounds good i love it thank you nick this was so fun to chat thank you so much Thank you so much, Nick. As I said, I definitely will be there doing interviews this summer and can't wait to see you as well as all the cool brands you guys are helping represent in this industry. And thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. And you have no idea how much it means to me when I get to read your amazing reviews on iTunes. and see all the subscribers out there listening. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would be really grateful and appreciative if you took 30 seconds to leave a rating and review. Again, you can always do that at sfdnetwork.com slash review. It really does make a difference and it really means so much to me. Thank you. Now, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 42. And I'll also remind you that we're testing a new platform to release some small bits of extra bonus content, behind-the-scenes interviews, things that don't always have a home. They may not belong on the podcast. They may not really have a home on the website. So we're testing a platform to see what content you guys like, um, engage with you a little bit more, and, and have a little bit more of an open dialogue. That's all going on over at patreon.com slash sfd. Now, if you're familiar with Patreon, you know that it is a model created to support creative endeavors like the successful fashion designer but I didn't create the page to collect a dollar a month from all of you now if you want to give a dollar because you love what I'm doing and that's the best way to support me then you're welcome to do that I, I thank you graciously but I have no intent nor am I there to ask you for a dollar everything on the page is absolutely free and like I said it's a little bit of an experiment to see what type of content you guys want more of what you latch on to what you don't want to see so check it out patreon.com sfd i i love hearing from you guys there i love chatting with you there and again we're releasing little bite-sized pieces of bonus content exclusive things that are only hitting the patreon page so check it out if you want a little bit more than what you're getting on the podcast or what you see on successfulfashiondesigner.com Thanks so much, you guys. Again, I do appreciate each and every one of you listening every Monday. And I will be, next, be here with you next week. Bye-bye.